Welcome to Sold for Soup, Episode 9, Look at the Ravens. I'm Rich Whitman, and sitting next to me is my wife and co-host, Jennifer Whitman. Hello, everyone. This week, we're going to be talking about worry and anxiety. There are three major issues that we all face in our lives. Anger, which we talked about last week, addiction, and anxiety. We all struggle with irritation and anger. We all deal with worry and anxiety. Unfortunately, when things get difficult, we often find solace in things other than God. Yeah, that is unfortunate. Anxiety can be a physiological response, which just means it's a physical response to a threat that you perceive. Um, And a threat can be all kinds of different things, but it will increase the inflammatory cytokine levels in your body. So those are cells that make more inflammation. And cytokines are basically cells that talk to your other cells without your brain necessarily being directly involved, but you have cytokine cells all throughout your body and you have them in your brain. So the cytokines that are released from anxiety can affect your brain function. It's a cycle of feeling anxiety, having this physiological response, which creates more anxiety in your brain. And so we've got to figure out a way to somehow break that cycle. If your body's inflamed, you're going to feel anxious because the inflammation causes pain. It's going to create more anxiety. Yeah, it's just a cycle that we need to try to figure out how to break. Take a moment and think about all the words that we use to describe the experience of anxiety. Fretting, discontentment, obsessing, stressing out, worry are just a few. In the Old and New Testament, there are a host of words that writers use to capture the experience of anxiety. The same words can be used to describe a proper concern or a problematic obsessive anxiety. The meaning changes based upon the broader context within which the word is used. In the New Testament, there are 26 occurrences of the word anxiety, and the word Mary know in its various forms are used 22 times. Sometimes it means appropriate concern and care, while other times it means worry or anxiety. Here are two examples. Both of them come from the book of Philippians. In Philippians 2, Paul writes, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I also may be cheered when I receive the good news about you. I have no one else like him who takes genuine interest in your welfare. That genuine interest, obviously, is appropriate care or concern. And then in Philippians 4, Paul says, do not be anxious for anything. Here, we see an over-concern or anxiety or anxiousness. The negative usage raises a fundamental question. What does the word mean? Mary know shares a connection with a similar word, which is the word merdizo. This word literally means to divide, to draw in different directions, distract, or an anxious care. If you combine the meaning of the word merdizo with the context in which Jesus uses the word Mary know in Matthew 6 and Luke 12, you begin to understand how the Bible defines worry. Simply put, Worry is a distraction. It puts our focus in the wrong direction. It accomplishes absolutely nothing, and it's not good for you. It reminds me of the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Who sings that? Um, Wasn't that Bobby McFerrin? It was a... a, 
hit in the 80s. Top of the charts. We're always talking about music on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it more, I'm sure. But the song Don't Worry, Be Happy, while comforting, it really doesn't provide any substance, no basis beyond the Don't Worry, Be Happy theme other than Don't Worry, Be Happy. Yeah, I remember some of the lyrics are like, if you have no money, no style, no, no girl. No girl, yeah. Don't worry, be happy, no place to live, your landlord is suing you, don't worry, be happy. Just stop worrying. That's like saying, like, just stop being poor. <laughs> How do you do that? So it's a nice philosophy, but it's inadequate. The song virtually is saying, live in denial. No matter what, just don't worry, be happy. But in Luke 12, Jesus speaks about worry, but he has something of real meaning to say about it, about overcoming it. Jesus taught a very different attitude toward life and its priorities. Jesus says, do not worry about your life what you will eat, about your body, what you will wear. For life is more important than food, and the body more important than clothes. Again, I don't know. This is I'm not good at this. I'm not good at not worrying, as you know. I don't know how to not worry if you don't have food when you have kids to feed or you don't have clothes. So this is something I could definitely work on. Honestly, like I think all of us can work on our anxiety and our worry. And Jesus' answer is simple, but it's kind of startling. He says, look at the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And are we not more valuable to him than any of the birds? Remember back in episode four, Eat the Food, we mentioned Leviticus 11, and there was a list of animals that the people were to regard as clean and unclean. It's a really long list, but in the middle of that list, God details the unclean birds you must never eat. And included in that list is ravens. The ravens were on the banned list. God ensures ravens have food. They're unclean. They don't grow crops or store grain, but God gives them water and food. God cares for them. What does worry do to the human body, Jen? So we talked about earlier some of the chemical aspect, but physically, you most people notice tightness in their neck and shoulders. I see that a lot because I'm a chiropractor. So, but also chest tightness in the muscles of, and just shortness of breath, shallow breathing, which we talked about in episode three, gastrointestinal issues, which means just like my tummy hurts. I'm sure you've experienced that where you're stressed and it actually physically made your stomach hurt. Your thoughts can race and you can have trouble focusing. So if you're stressed and you're trying to take a test or drive, that can be actually kind of dangerous you probably lose your appetite where you don't want to eat or some people just head for the fridge and overeat, go for ice cream or chocolate or whatever it is, or alcohol, uncontrolled breathing. If you see someone panicking and they're hyperventilating for the most part, sleeplessness, emotions that can be out of control where you're having just what might seem like your brain is telling you these crazy thoughts and you can feel like they're real. So whenever you sense a threat and a threat can be all different kinds of things, that could be for a mean boss, a bully. What other kind of threats do you think of? Like insult, your parents going to find out you did something wrong, a virus or cancer or some kind of health concern. Even your own thoughts and emotions can really stress you out, like I said earlier. So there's a ton of different things that can cause us to be anxious or to worry. Yeah, your just your thoughts can be perceived in the brain the same way a physical threat can be. It can cause that same chemical reaction in your body that creates all those symptoms that are inflammatory and negative, cause negative health impacts. All of us deal with 
worry and anxiety in different ways. And I guess the question I have, Jen, is how is it that some people deal differently than others? Meaning, is there could there be pre-existing things within our our physical bodies that cause us to deal differently with stress Absolutely. and anxiety? I think, I think it has a lot to do with the amount of stress you're exposed to as a young person and how you deal with stress, um, how you watch your parents deal with stress. I'm sure there are physical, like genetic things, chemistry that can affect the way you handle stress. And then every degenerative disease is kind of the same soup lead going from there, where if you're under a lot of stress and anxiety and you have that inflammation response that can lead to all kinds of health issues like heart disease, weight gain, type two diabetes, even Parkinson's and Alzheimer's are connected to that chronic inflammation. So our overall health is affected immensely by our anxiety and our worry. Right. And it seems like Jesus knew that. And there's several, like you said, I don't remember how many you said, but there's several warnings in the Bible about not, I don't know how, like I said before, I don't know how you just stop stressing sometimes or stop anxiety because it can feel out of control. But what Jesus says is, he says not to worry, to recheck your thoughts. So maybe there's some strategies that we can employ to help ourselves end this anxiety like Jesus recommends. Yeah. So how can we be proactive in overcoming prolonged stress and worry well, we in wanna, our lives? Yeah. We want to get ourselves back to a feeling of safety. There's a big change in the body's chemistry when you go from that cortisol response, the adrenal cortisol inflammatory cytokine response that you get from stress to safety where you're getting growth hormone, dopamine, serotonin, all those great hormones that are anti-inflammatory and they help resolve pain. So how can we be proactive about achieving that type of body chemistry and that kind of reaction? Activating the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is a nerve that comes from the brain it exits your skull kind of right next to your atlas, which is why I adjust that area a lot when I'm adjusting patients. It innervates the areas in the heart, the gut. And so stimulating the vagus nerve helps to relax the body. So what are some ways that we can stimulate the vagus nerve? So vag- vagus nerve, like yeah. like Las Vegas? No, V-A-G-U-S, right. if you want to Google vagus okay. nerve. Vegas that's nerve. The- right. <laughs> Not Las Vegas. Las Vegas is stressful to me. So getting, getting good sleep is one way to, but if you're having trouble sleeping, that could be a problem. So journaling can help sometimes get, get your thoughts in order, get, calm your thoughts. So if you have racing thoughts, journaling is a good way to calm your vagus nerve, actually practicing forgiveness, mindfulness, closing your eyes and almost meditating or praying and focusing on your breath, which we talked about in episode three. Um, yoga is a great way to stretch, loosen that fascia that gets tight, focus on your breathing again, and relax your body. Intermittent fasting, if you've heard of that, if you haven't, well, maybe we should do an episode on it, but it's something that I like to practice. It's where you stop eating at a certain time of the day, and usually it's in the evening, say after dinner. You go through the night without eating any food other than water. And then maybe even into the morning or early afternoon, some people like to go 8, 10, 12, even 16 hours without eating and then eating for a shorter period of time. A cold washcloth on your forehead, it seems so simple, but it, it can help. There's things like massage, acupuncture, 
And then another simple, simple one is listening to music, calming music. And then I think we're going to talk about more about music next week, right? Yeah. So what you know about music and our health, Jen? Well, I know certain frequencies are supposed to induce relaxation in the brain, like matches a certain brain wave that we want to have or something. So I'm excited to learn more about music and health. And I know for me, I like I like calming music and that does help me relax. You don't like the hardcore stuff. I don't like I don't like the screamer music. I used to like punk rock, then I had kids and that was enough screaming for me. So I like that's when I switched to like John Mayer, something more calming. You know what that sound means? It's time to give something away. What are we giving okay. away this week? We are giving away another hat, right? Yep. Who do you got this All week, right. Jen? I'm getting in my lucky hat here. I have a name. Amy Coyers. Yay! You're getting a hat, Amy. Congratulations, Thanks Amy. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we'll send you that right away. Remember, if you want to be in the running for one of our many drawings, you want to follow us on our social media accounts. Specifically, Instagram is where we draw from. We have 90 followers on Instagram right Let's now. Go. It would be great if by next week's podcast, we had 100 followers. So make sure you're telling your that friends about it. Sold for Soup. Our socials are soldforsoup.com. Our Instagram is Sold for Soup. Twitter. Which is Sold for Soup. All right. You guys rock. Thank you so much for listening. Go deal with your worry and anxiety and get healthy. Peace out. Peace <laughs> out.